Welcome into another episode of Baseball Americas from Phenom to the Farm. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today's episode is another compilation, which I figured is pretty timely. Ole Miss just wrapped up their College World Series win, so I wanted to dip into past interviews of guys we've had talking about the Omaha experience, including a few College World Series champions. Uh, Going to be back with a, a great full interview in two weeks. I literally just finished recording uh, the, the next full episode, and folks, it's, it's an absolute banger. Uh, stay tuned to that, but I was excited as, you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know I absolutely love college baseball, love hearing about the Omaha experience. We've got some guys who, a lot of guys who uh, who actually played it at Rosenblatt Stadium, um, you know, kind of in that heyday before moving on to TD Ameritrade. So a couple clips from that. If, uh, if you haven't heard any of these interviews before, go back, check out, you know, check out past interviews, uh, check out anyone who, who piques your interest as all these interviews are pretty evergreen. Uh, episodes of For Phenom of the Farm drop every other two. Tuesday. Uh, and if you haven't yet, please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can you can rate podcasts on Spotify now. That would be that would be absolutely great. And make sure to subscribe to baseballamerica.com and the BA podcast feed for all amateur baseball and prospect news. Draft day is going to be here before we know it. Go check out the BA 500, the new hot sheet podcast, and great stuff on other podcasts, future projection and the 90th percentile. So for this compilation, we're going to lead off with with a recent episode. Uh, Philip Umber, known for uh, throwing one of the one of the 27 perfect games in MLB history, but also anchoring one of the greatest college rotations in in college baseball history on on those early 2000s Rice squads. It was uh, Philip. Jeff Neiman, Wade Townsend, uh, and, and Rice rode those guys to a national championship. So here's Philip Umber talking about that that leap that that Rice team took and taking down a, a big-time Stanford team and, and Philip pitching the clinching game in the College World Series. I would also like to acknowledge with this first clip that I live in San Antonio. I've lived in the South my entire life. And when you talk to someone else with a, a thicker Southern accent than you, sometimes you just... You, you start to incorporate a draw. And Philip is very East Texas, so I just want to acknowledge that I'm, I'm well aware that uh, I'm turning on the Southern a little bit. So here's me and Philip Umber. Well, that you guys do beat Houston. You go to the College World Series, and it, it's like blue blood central. You've got five teams that had won a College World Series before, uh, Fullerton, LSU, Miami, uh, Stanford, and Texas. You've got South Carolina that has last year's runner-up. Uh, you guys have been there, and then what is now just known as Missouri State. Was there a team that you didn't want to see? Hmm. I don't, I don't think so. You know, we we definitely wanted to play Texas, um, you know, just because of what ha- had happened the year before. And then, you know, during the regular season, we felt like we had finally kind of got over that hump and – you know, we wanted them. Um, that was that was something that that we wanted a, a chance to to kind of redeem ourselves. And, and you uh, ripped their souls out too. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't personally, but yes, our, as a team, we did. And um, yeah, so that was that was pretty neat to to get that opportunity. But no, I don't think there was anybody that we we're like, man, we don't we don't want to we don't want to face those guys because we just felt like with our pitching depth. And we knew that we were going to play really good defense. Our fielding percentage was stupid, you know, that year. Um, we were going to have a chance to win against anybody. And so um, there wasn't anybody that we were we were afraid to face. You get to the the championship series. You're throwing game three, basically the, the, col- the college baseball championship game against Stanford. 
That Stanford team, like I said, that that game game one or game two, whichever game Jeff pitched on YouTube, and you watch that game, and it's like, oh my god, that guy was on that team. That guy was on that team. That guy just mm-hmm. like yeah, you know, thousands of big league at bats on that team. Was there a certain guy in that lineup that you specifically? I can't let this this guy beat me. I <laughs> mean, there were several, right? So I mean, you had Sam Fold, uh, Danny Putnam, Jed Lowry. Uh, Ryan Garco, uh, Carlos Quentin. I mean, and I think I'm missing John Mayberry. He was all, he was on the bench. Um, Which so is yeah, bonkers. yeah, it's crazy. That guy, I went, mean, that guy went the first yeah, round, literally. Yeah. So you had, you know, and and there was several other guys that played in the big leagues on that team as well. But um, you know, I had roomed with, uh, or not roomed with. I played with Ryan Garco the year before, and just a ridiculous hitter. Um, Carlos Quentin, obviously, but there, there were so many guys, you know, and, and like you said, Jeff pitched a great game against them. We had to have a great play in the field uh, to, to save that game though. Um, we easily could have lost it. And for me, you know, I'm sitting there watching and I'm thinking we're going to win the first two. This was the first year they had the, the three game series, you know, cause um, up, up till then and you got to the championship and it was shown on CBS. Well, so um, we win the first game, and a lot of our team was like, well, any other year, but, but this year we'd have already been national champions because, uh, you know, this is the first year that that three-game set. But, you know, they came back and beat us. But I remember watching batting practice, um, and, you know, if you've been to Rosenblatt, the wind can howl out of there pretty good. And the day of the um, – the game three, you know, I'm sitting on the bench watching batting practice and the flags are just, you know, stretched out, uh, blowing out to center field. And those guys are in there just, you know, tearing the cover off the ball. And, you know, uh, I remember, you know, talking to our catcher, Justin Ruckty and just being like, you know, um, I think we, we pitch backwards. Um, you know, we give them a lot of soft stuff early and, and see if they'll get themselves out. And, that was kind of our game plan and, and um, it really were. And, and that was something Jeff had kind of talked to me about after he pitched against them, you know, they, they kind of jumped on him a little bit early um, and they really liked hitting the fastball. Um, and so, you know, the plan of, you know, kind of going off speed early and, and fastball late really, really seemed to work against them. And even a long time later, you know, I was on, uh, I was teammates with, with Carlos Quentin. He brought that up. He was like, you, you, you guys had those three, three big pitchers out there and, and uh, you guys all ended up being thumbers, you know, <laughs> uh, he was just, you know, he was, he was so uh, surprised that as a team, they were so surprised that we threw so much off speed stuff, but that's what you had to do against those, you know, metal bats with guys like that. So y'all go up by 11 in the sixth mm-hmm. inning, six inning ends. Y'all are up 11 to nothing. Mm-hmm. All American on the mound, virtual certainty that you're going to win pretty much. I mean, never say never in baseball, but, it, it looks pretty good. How do you stay within yourself and kind of keep focus when you're on the mound? You guys are up by 11 because there's something about something to say about intensity leaving a little bit when the situation gets a little less tense, frankly. Yeah. And, and I think it probably did a little bit because like you said, I think that was a six inning where we, we go up and it is such a big lead. Um, and I remember going back out there and I fell behind in a couple of counts. And next thing you know, they've got two runs. And that's kind of what kind of it kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit about um, okay, I, I want to be the one that's out here 
at the end of this game. Um, you know, I knew we had Arjma warming up or whatever, but that was important to me. And so I knew in order for me to do that, that I was going to have to kind of shut things down a little bit. Um, and so, you know, just kind of kicked it back into gear, but our team just had a good, a good way of staying focused. And, um, you know, we did, did some celebrating in the dugout, but it wasn't anything out of control. Um, you know, we just kind of, you know, stayed, stayed within ourselves and, and kept trying to do our jobs. And, um, you know, that last ball goes to, goes to Stansbury at third base. And, and then finally you can kind of, kind of let loose. And, and um, it was just hard to believe because in order to, to win a, a championship at, at any level, um, you know, that's competitive, uh, it takes a, an incredible amount of focus on each pitch. It's not just game to game, you know, or week to week. Each pitch, you're just grinding um, in, in, in your mentality. And, 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 and it's not just a physical thing, but it's, it's, such, it's such a mental thing. And um, so when you finally, you, you get that, that last out, it's just really hard to even, even imagine what's just happened um, because you, you're, you're, you're used to getting ready for the next pitch or the next game, and then there's not one. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a, a really incredible feeling to to be on the mound and, and have everybody just pouring out of the dugout and and knowing that that we did it. And, um, you know, we we didn't think this way, but I think a lot of people looked at a school like Rice and was like, you know, that's impossible. And and I didn't know this at the time, but, they, you know, they start telling us afterwards, that's the first team national championship that Rice had ever won you know, Rice is an old school. I mean, they've been playing athletics for a long time. And, um, you know, for us to be the first ones that had done it and we get home, you know, from, from that. Um, and we pull up to Reckling Park and it seemed like the whole city of Houston was sitting there waiting on us. And uh, that's when it kind of set in, like, man, we did something really special. And I think already most of us were thinking we're going to go back and do it again. And um, it was it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool uh, team to be a part of. So next up is a clip from George Iskandarian, who played for the Miami Hurricanes in 2015, went to the 2015 College World Series. If you haven't listened to George's episode yet, please go back and do so. He's he's now an agent. Uh, very interesting career transition. Uh, interesting to hear how that was always a lifetime passion for him. But uh, this clip he kind of talks about, and this is a running theme that I, I, I like to ask these guys about, is the difference in routine and how the Omaha routine can be different than that regular season routine. So here's me and George's Kandarian. Rain also happens in Omaha. It is a, you know, a time-honored tradition of rain delays in Omaha you know, whatever, when you're in the season, you have your routine, especially as a hitter feel all that stuff. Very important. You got your midweek game. You got your three on the weekend. You're you've got that routine. Once the postseason starts, you've got your ACC tournament, you've got your regionals, your supers, but then Omaha is like this, this spaced out thing where you've got all these big events around it. There's a lot of buzz families coming in friends, family, stuff like that. And then the game, you know, you've got a game, you wait a day, you've got another game, you wait a day. How do you how do you keep up routine when your routine is completely upended? Yeah, to be honest, it was, it was very difficult because there's a lot of obligation outside of actually competing um, at TV at the time as well. Whether it's it's going to the children's hospital, which to be honest was probably the most impactful part about the whole trip, um, being able to put smiles on kids' face that are obviously less less fortunate in terms of where they are in health 
was an unbelievable experience. It really is. And the way that the whole town buys into that event is something that I'll never forget. And it's one of the things I tell players now that have that opportunity to either, hey, make an ample amount of money in the draft or move on to college baseball. I always tell them about my experience in Omaha because that's something I wish every kid could experience, to be honest. It's, it's that unbelievable. Um, but in terms of routine on field, I'd say it was pretty difficult. I, I really would. I think three games seemed like a month's workload just because of how dragged out that process is. Obviously, we ran into a juggernaut in Florida. Um, they were absolutely loaded that year. They had Alex Fayetto, A.J. Puck, Logan Shore, Richie Martin, Buddy Reed, Harrison Bader, Pete Alonzo, Guthrie, Josh Tobias. I mean, they were they were loaded. Um, put this in perspective, Dean Dunning was in their bullpen, who ended up being a first-round pick. So, you know, obviously we ran into a tough team there, um, lost that game one, ended up playing Arkansas. Ben Intendi was on that team. We actually did pretty decent enough job in shutting him down that game, but um, I remember Jacob Hayward hit a walk off that game and then game three ran back into the Gators. And, uh, you know, we uh, obviously didn't hold up too well that game. So, but the experience itself was unbelievable. Well, and going into Omaha, you already had an idea of what life after Omaha was going to be with the draft happening before the College World Series. How difficult is that? And I guess you're on the other side of that coin now. Um, obviously, the draft was not as it this year was not as it used to be, you know, right before the College World Series. But you were on the other side. You're on the other side of that coin now and advising someone about going on with the draft. But how difficult is it to keep focused on what's going on with the, you know, what's going on with your actual on-field stuff. And then also the draft where, because of, you know, especially if you're going to be a top 10 rounds guy, you basically have to make a decision. What am I signing for? You know, am I a draftable guy? So how did you, how did you come up with that figure? How did you, you know, balance, do that balancing act of, I got the draft coming up. I got this, you know, this baseball dream. I'm also trying to get to Omaha. Right. So I think it was, it was, different for us. I remember being drafts, a frustrating process. And sometimes you see names going off the board and internally, obviously we're all competitive. Say, wait, I should have, I should have went before that guy, this, that, the next. So for me, obviously going in the seventh round, everybody thinks they should go higher in the draft. That's what makes all these players great. Um, but as soon as that script ended, it was, Hey, I want to win a national championship. And that's realistically why I came to the university of Miami. And I think all of us thought the same way, whether that was myself, Suarez, Eusebio, Kennedy, all of us thought, hey, as soon as this draft ends, it's on to the next. We have a job to finish here. Um, so for me, I think that's what led us all to play at such an elite level that year as well is because the draft takes the back burner in college. It really does. You get this tunnel vision and trying to get to Omaha and, and win a World Series that the rest of that stuff takes care of itself. And we all bought into that thought process. So I, I think for us, to be honest, that was never an issue just because we held each other accountable. And there's a certain standard at the University of Miami where you expect to win every game you play. So as soon as the draft ended, you turn the page, hey, let's go win a ring. Obviously, unfortunately, didn't work out, but that was our mindset going into it. Going to follow that one up with another guy who who had to think about the draft or had to think about his already being drafted in, in Omaha, and that is uh, former big leaguer Russell Ortiz. 
Now, Russ went to the University of Oklahoma in the mid-90s. The Sooners visited Omaha twice when he was in college. The first time, when they won a national championship, Russ actually did not pitch. But he did get to make an appearance in Omaha after he'd already been drafted, after he knew that this would be his last time throwing in a Sooners uniform. So here's me and Russ Ortiz. You've pitched in the MLB playoffs, the World Series, an all-star game. Where does pitching in Omaha rank among that? Well, I didn't get to pitch <laughs> in Omaha. In uh, either, either Omaha, year? In, well, in, a cha- in the national championship year. Um, and the, in my junior year, this, the second time, I got to pitch the last two innings of our second game. Uh, you know, we were getting blown out. and But I had already gotten drafted at that point. Um, so... So it wasn't quite the magical getting to pitch an Omaha experience for you then. No, uh, but I, I, the thing for me that was cool is, is I pitched against USC, and so they had you know guys, you know, Jeff Jenkins was on the team. Um, I believe Chad Moeller was on the team. Um, a, a, a teammate that next year, Ben Tucker, is one of their their pitchers. Um, who else? There's a couple other guys. I'm. I'm I'm missing their names, but uh, they got to play professionally as well. So, so I knew who these guys were, and uh, and so it it you know I it helped elevate the the moment for me, even though we were getting crushed. <laughs> um, you know, I got to pitch the last two innings, and uh, as a drafted player, you know there was that up up until that point, I had never felt adrenaline like that um, ever before. And so, so it, it still was a special moment for me, even though we lost the game, you know, and again, I know this sound, sounds maybe mean or self, um, self, you know, uh, serving, but, uh, those two innings as a drafted player, I was just like, this is, I want to show off. I want to show the giants who drafted me, like what they're getting. Um, I wanted to make my coaches proud, my family proud, you know, for all that they did to help me, every coach and, and all that stuff. So, so I did use it as a moment for myself to, to, you know, as a thank you to everybody of like, you know, I'm going to show everybody just how, how much help they were for, to me and, and to go out there with, with everything I got, you know, on TV, um, and, and, try to just light it up and, and, uh, you know, and it went pretty well. And so, um, so yeah, so it was a good ending for me, you know, for my, my college career. Now we're moving on to a player who who really needs no introduction for fans of college baseball fans who have followed the college world series, Michael Roth, arguably one of the, the greatest postseason pitchers in college baseball history, turning one of the great careers at South Carolina, two-time national champion, three-time participant in the College World Series. We're actually going to have two quotes from Michael. Uh, this one is going to be about his first run through the College World Series where he, he really he burst onto the scene through one of the, the most surprising but just legendary games that lives on in College World Series lore. Here's our first clip from Michael Roth. So you do a good job with that your entire, you know, your entire sophomore year. You guys, you know, again, you make it to Omaha and now it's time to, uh, I got to ask you about the story that you've probably, you probably get asked about every other day. You guys beat OU, uh, pitching, you know, pitching staff's taxed. 
Um, you know, you pitch in that OU game, you survive to move on to face Clemson. When did the possibility of starting that game come across your radar? Like when you guys finished your game against OU, did you think, hey, I might be the guy who gets the call to face Clemson? No, not at all. I mean, you know, the, we finished our game, walked off, and was, we were still in the field and in, in the dugout, like cleaning up. And Coach Holbrook looked at me and was like, hey, be ready to pitch tomorrow. And I remember thinking like, yeah, no like, you know, I kind of throw – I think I at that point I had like 35 outings. So I was like, yeah, 35 outings in like 60 games. Like, Just yeah, playing the stats, I probably am going to pitch <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I had a pretty good chance. And so, you know, I like didn't even think anything of it. I just thought that was like the weirdest comment. Um, and then I got back in the bus and somebody – I think it was again. Yeah, I think it was like Coach Holbrook or somebody asked me. They're like, "Hey, will you be good to pitch tomorrow?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." So, you know, we go back to the um, we go back to the hotel and like Coach Tanner and Calvi walk in for curfew check, and they ask me. I forget which one it was, but one of them asked me, "Hey, you know, would you be okay to start tomorrow?" And I was like. Yeah, I guess, but me and my roommate were kind of too preoccupied with what was on the TV, so they had felt like they had told me that I was starting that then at that time. I don't necessarily remember it that way, but, um, you know, we woke up the next morning, and everybody was asking me if I was starting. I told them I didn't really know, because I didn't didn't know, and... um, the way that I found out was my mom shot me a text and was like, congratulations. And I was like, what are you talking about? Or she said, good luck. And I was like, good luck with what? And she <laughs> sent me like a screenshot of like a press release from something saying that I was starting. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So that was kind of how I found out. Um, and it may, may have been because my lack of paying attention to when they were coming in to, to check us for curfew. I mean, that, that must have helped out in some way because things, I mean, things, like, how do you prepare for that start, your first college start, or at least, you know, College World Series start? Did did the staff give you any sort of expectation? Like, hey, man, get us five innings or anything. Was there any anything on the table of, like, if you can get us this, we'll take it home? Well, the only thing that I really, so let me go back. When I, you know, when they did ask me if I could start, I said I would, I was like, that's fine. I was like, I'm, I'm okay to start. I was like, but I don't want... I was like, I want to still heat. I was like, I'll start, but I was like, I still want to hit BP before the game, and I still want to play catch with my throwing partner, who was Parker Bangs at the time. We like, <laughs> we like, you know, played catch before every game. These are my list of demands. To start this game. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And they were like, Yeah, that's fine. You don't have to like change your routine. So I was like, Okay, cool. Then I'm I'm fine to start. And so I would say, from you talk about preparation to start. I mean. There was nothing – we had no discussions of, like, how long that I could go. You know, Coach Tanner, there was – so when I was leaving the hotel, Coach Tanner and I rode down in the elevator together. Um, we just happened to, like, run into each other at the same time. And he asked me – he was like, how many in do you think you got in you? And I remember just telling him – I was like, you know, I was like, probably one. I was like, but I'll just throw until my arm falls off. And he goes, oh, what is that one? You know, maybe one. And so – uh, you know, I don't. I definitely don't think they expected me to get five. I don't even. And they definitely didn't expect me to throw a complete game. But I think they were just hoping 
to get the game off on the right foot and try to piecemeal it together. You know, unfortunately, it was, you know, a complete game that, that kind of changed the course of my career. Yeah, nine innings, three hits, one run. I watched the ninth inning earlier today. Before it starts, you're reading something in your hat. You're you're kind of in uncharted territory in every aspect of your career at that point. What are you what are you reading and think was it a scouting report? I know some guys had had verses or pump up messages on the bill of their hat. Like what are you or do you just like need something to look at to kind of take the moment in? Yeah. So um I actually I don't think I was reading anything in my hat. I think it was more of just before I would step on the mound, I would just kind of take a deep breath to like just relax. Um, you know, after you do your warm ups and like before you start the inning, it's I always just like to take like I guess almost like make yourself present. Sometimes you can mentally you can be worried about the pitch that you just threw or the pitch that's coming up. And so I felt like that time to kind of step back and then before you step on the mound, like taking like some time to like just make yourself present in the moment, that really helped me as as a pitcher. And I think that's probably the moment that you're referring to. The next clip with Michael is talking about the difference in intensity in a College World Series start, what makes that um, what kind of takes that up to another level, even versus his, his normal SEC starts? Um, no one, you know, I, if I remember correctly, no one has thrown more innings in a college world series than Michael. So, uh, the best man for, for letting us know what starting a game in Omaha is like. You start three more games in that college world series. And that's after a, a spring of, you know, being the Friday night guy and, and having that role. Is there, is there a difference between a big college world series start and like a, you know, a big sec start, like going, you know, going to a Vanderbilt or an LSU on the road? Like what, what adjustments, is there anything different in how you go about your business in the college world series? You know, the biggest thing I think about the college world series is really just trying to bounce back as quick as you can. Um, in season, you've got, you've got pretty much six days guaranteed to recovery, you know? And, and that's pretty much like clockwork. Um, I don't think they started that may have been like the very beginning 2011 may have been the very first year with like Thursday night games. But so it was rare that you may have been rushed a day. Right. So the big thing about the college world series from a starting starting pitcher perspective is, you know, you're, you're pitching on a Saturday and you're trying to get ready almost, you know, to pitch on three days, four days rest. And I think that's probably the biggest difference from the standpoint of the teams that you're playing. I think it's, it's the same, you know, you're, you're playing, you know, that you're, you're playing the top eight teams or the top seven teams in the country. And, you know, you're, you're going to face a good lineup and you kind of have to prepare for it. Like it is just a regular, you know, SEC game for us. And, but again, I'd say the biggest difference is just trying to speed your recovery and shorten that that downtime. Another story you've probably had to tell a million times or get asked about every week. Um, you know, one of the more compelling stories that year: your dad having to quit his job to come to Omaha <laughs> to watch you pitch. While I'd love to go on a tangent about how employers treat their workforce, uh, can you just talk about the difference it made in having your dad there because he was not there the the you know the year you broke out in Omaha. Yeah, it was, um, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I look back on that time because I was like, 
I guess like the, the forefront of, of Twitter. And, um, I think I, I posted something as like, cause I think it was on father's day when I posted that, I'm pretty sure. And I, I definitely had no, I did not think it would become like a, a big story. And, um, of course it did. And, but I, I would say really the only thing was just me like appreciating my dad being able to be there. Cause you know, he was instrumental in, in my playing career I can always remember when I was younger, you know, we, he would come home from work and we'd go and like hit wiffle balls in the backyard with, with like me jumping up, trying to get the floodlight to like flicker on for like 30 seconds and hit, and then, you know, have to do it again to get the floodlight to stay on. And so I would say, you know, it was cool for my dad to be able to be there when he wasn't able to be there in, in 2010, um, when you know when I made a start against Clemson and when we won the national championship, so it was it was really cool for him to be able to be there. Following that up with another clip about what the the difference in intensity is like in in games in Omaha. Another recent episode, Danny Black who was the second baseman on Oklahoma's 2010 College World Series team. Here's me, and Danny Black. Well, you guys head in, and it's the last year at Rosenblatt. And like, walk me through for anyone who didn't. I fortunately, like, I got the chance to go in 2008. In, incredible. Um, what was, you know, the, the atmosphere, what, what was different about that park and that those, those games you got to play there than any, than, than anything you had played up to that point or ever really, you know, just the fact that you've watched it on TV for so long, it was like watching a big league game. You know, you've always watched these games when they come and it's these cool moments. And then you're actually all of a sudden you're on that field and looking at it from this completely different perspective and understanding like how it is on ESPN. You know, I mean, you're on ESPN and you're doing all this stuff and walking around and people know your name. You know, it's like the first moment outside of maybe, you know, your college town or your Juco or a couple people that like random people are coming up and know who you are. And they have this big festival fair outside of the stadium where people can buy all the memorabilia or bats or whatever. And people are just trying to give you stuff. Like they're excited you're there. And you're like, I remember all these NCAA protocols. Like we can't take free stuff. Like, I don't know what to do here. And some guys are like, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, is this a trap or like somebody's coming up saying, Hey Danny, how you doing? I have no idea where you're from. He's from like Iowa or something. And he's like, Hey, yeah, I have these shirts. Like here, take a shirt. And I'm like, I don't know if I can take this. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm like, I'm just enjoying this. But it was very surreal. It was very surreal because you're walking around and you're trying to figure out, you know, that this is like all going on, but you're like, there's, this doesn't feel like, I don't know where, how this coexists with the baseball game itself. Like, there's just so much going on, and this is so cool, and I'm embracing this moment. But, like, I, you know, when you get on the field, you're like, all right, you need to lock it in now. I was going to say, when you, when you, College World Series games, is there a tangible difference? Because I guess the cliche thing would be, you know, oh, lock it in, in between the lines, it's all the same. Is there, is that really the case, or is there actually a tangible difference where you're consciously aware the whole time, like, oh, this is a bigger deal than anything I've done? Oh, no, yeah, it's bigger. You know, I mean, it's just, it's like, first time walking around a big league stadium or just this, this is, you know, like you build these moments up that you've had as a kid and that you've seen in your life as a sports fan or as a baseball fan. And then when you're actually there, 
the, sur the surreal feeling about just looking around and embrace it, you know, and people are all over it. I mean, they're cheering for good at the world series. It's like something good happens on either side. You're not in your home thing or you can embrace like, it's like someone cheers and it just explodes. It was really cool, but it was, you know, you had to like, you had to embrace it. Otherwise it just kind of wanted to like lock you up. You know, you had to either embrace it, but you can't clear it. It was one of those ones where you can't just go, oh, I'm playing again. Let me get out. Let me get this out of my head. I'm going to go play baseball. Like you had to embrace that this is happening. You know, I'm here. We're here. Accept that we're here and what's going to go on and then go play baseball. Next up, we've got a clip from Carson Whitson, who went from being the Padres first round pick in the 2010 draft, not signing heading to the University of Florida and pitching for the Gators in the College World Series as a true freshman. What's the Omaha experience like? like playing lands, how different is that from a, a usual college baseball road trip? Because you guys had spent the last month at home as well. Yeah, the Omaha experience is, is unbelievable. It's one that I hope I can get to as a coach one day. Um, it's just, it's special, man. I mean, it's, it's the pinnacle of college baseball on all divisions across the board. You know, Omaha is such a great uh, a host city for that, you know, for the College World Series. There's so much history there. You know, you grow up watching it on TV. Um, you know, I actually missed it by a year. Um, my year that we went in 2011 was the first year in TD Ameritrade. So, I mean, you're basically playing in a big league ballpark. And, you know, uh, there's 28, 30,000 people. I think the, the two games that I pitched in in Omaha – the first game against Vanderbilt, there was 28,000 people. And then the second game, there was 30 for the championship game. So it's just, it's awesome, man. Um, it, it gives you feelings that you really can't put into words or, you know, really feel again from a baseball standpoint. You know, you, you get drafted, you know, you win an SEC championship, you know, you win the SEC tournament. And those feelings are great. And then, then you go to Omaha and you start to get on a little run in Omaha and, that's just it's just a different feeling. So yeah, man, it's like I said, it's one that I hope uh, I hope I can get again. You know, as a coach. What's the the day to day in Omaha like? Because postseason, especially college baseball, is so interesting. It's so it's so different than the season because the season you wait around, you have your three weekend games, you can cram everything into that, and you know you got the midweek to kind of you know figure things out, get guys innings, whatever. With Omaha, it's. I mean, especially with the rain situation there, you know, you might be playing on, you know, sometimes back-to-back -back days if you have to finish a game or it, it's just a kind of a weird situation. What's the, how do you, how do you stay in routine when you're thrown out of routine? Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's definitely some downtime, you know, but, you know, you've got the opening ceremonies that, that that's a pretty cool deal there. Uh, all the teams obviously take part in that and, you know, how the schedule's laid out. Um, I don't know if it's different now, but you know, you're in your pods of four, uh, you know, each side and you kind of play it out from each side. And, you know, it's different because you, you're, you're playing in a neutral site, right? So it's kind of like, it's kind of like a Coliseum, man. Like you're going into battle in this Coliseum of all these fans and you almost have, uh, like that, uh, uh, the gladiator kind of feeling to it. You know, you play, you battle it out and then you leave and then two new teams come in, they battle it out and then they leave. So, uh, but the fans stay the whole time. You know, they're there all day just cheering on for, for whichever team they're there for. So um, it's cool, though. You know, I think to be able to have some downtime just to kind of take it all in and enjoy it, you know, because at the end of the day, man, you're still you're still an 18, 19-year-old kid. So you're there, you know, you're there with some of your best friends and, 
get to go to different places in Omaha. Um, you know, there's, I think that there's organizations within the city that host each team. So, you know, one year, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the Navy base there in Omaha was our host and they took us out there and we got to do some cool stuff, um, on the Navy or on the Air Force base, I'm sorry, Air Force base. And then, uh, the next year, I think like the local Rotary Club, uh, hosted us and we were on the river doing some cool stuff there. So, just some different activities to do to kind of take your mind off of, you know, what's at stake, but definitely, um, you know, seeing the stadium every day, you know, most of the hotels are right around the stadium. So if you walk outside to go grab something to eat, you know, there might be two teams playing and you can kind of hear the sounds from the stadium. You know, that's always kind of cool too. You mentioned you got the ball twice while you were in Omaha, but you, you get it against a team you'd started against barely a month prior in Vanderbilt. And then your second yep. start was against South Carolina, another team that you had faced. What goes is there an advantage? Did you feel good about that as to having seen them before? Was it kind of worrying to you? Is like, oh, they've already seen my stuff? Not necessarily. You know, I think there was, uh, you know, it was weird, man, because you're right. We always played. It's like I think that year there was three or four SEC teams, you know, that were in Omaha. So it was like, man, you know, we keep playing the same guys over and over. But, you know, it, it is what it is. You're, you're playing the best teams at that moment. And you're familiar with certain guys in their lineup, so that's good, you know, from a scouting report, you know, uh, point of view. Um, we didn't have, like, some of the things that are avail- 